Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I hope you had a great weekend. I had a really fun weekend at my friend Rachel Barber's retreat. I was a guest speaker there. I did a group Reiki session and some non-toxic beauty education and facials, and it was so much fun. And then on Sunday, I had a little meetup at Powerhouse Pizza to celebrate the launch of my signature smoothie that's on the menu this month, my pumpkin spice smoothie. If you live in San Diego or if you are visiting San Diego, you should definitely pop by Powerhouse. It's one of my favorite restaurants, and you should pick up my smoothie because the seasonal smoothie is only available for a limited time, hence it's seasonal. I developed the recipe and I'm just so excited to have partnered with the owner, Anisha, to bring this to the menu. And so far, everyone says they've loved it. I mean, obviously, I think it's delicious. I'm a little biased, but I would love to hear what you think. Plus, it will count as an entry for my hashtag new food November challenge, where you just have to try out a new food, use the hashtag, and tag me and then you're entered to potentially win a big box of goodies for me at the end of the month. I just really love encouraging guys to try out new foods and explore new options. The next couple weeks are going to be super crazy for me, crazy in a good way. I mean, this is the holidays, right? So I am going up to LA this week. I have uh, some podcasts and weekend plans. It's my friend Michelle's birthday. And then on my way back, stopping by my friends because she just got engaged. And then I will be back in San Diego. And then I'm moving. I'm moving apartments. I'm moving like five minutes away from where I already am. So not a big move. But if you didn't hear on social media, I found out my apartment has. A level of mold in it that I'm not comfortable living in and as someone who is recovering from toxic mold illness it's very important for me to be in a mold-free environment so I'm getting out of here and moving just a little bit further down everyone is freaking out when they heard that I was moving I got a ton of messages asking what what they were going to do about Reiki I'm still in San Diego I'm really close. My my Reiki office is still in San Diego. So if you are in San Diego and you see me locally for Reiki, my office is still in the same place. It won't affect anything. And if you don't see me in person and you are a distance client, then obviously this won't affect anything. And actually, it's been an interesting trend in the last month or so. I've had more distance clients than in-person clients. So distance is just 
taking off and I love to be able to connect with you and give you Reiki healing from wherever you are in this world. If you're interested in Reiki, then you could definitely listen to my podcast all about Reiki, check out my blog post all about Reiki, and you can head to the services page on my website. But anyways, I will be moving and getting rid of all my stuff and I need to get all new stuff. It's just this, you know, the big ordeal, but it will be so worth it. And then it'll be Thanksgiving and then Black Friday and all the beauty counter sales, all the holiday sales. I'm so excited. I already got my holiday shopping done. If you haven't already gotten your shopping done, check out all the beauty counter holiday sets because they save the game. You can go to beautycounter.com slash Christina Rice and check those out. Um, And then it will be December and my month is just as crazy then. And I'm sure a lot of you guys will also have crazy months, but that's just a little bit about uh, what I'm going to be up to the next couple couple weeks. And then we are closing out the year. It will be 2020, brand new energy, good energy. Remember, if things feel like they're out of control right now, it's okay. It's the time for things to fall apart because we will be energetically reborn in 2020. There's a lot of energy shifts happening and a lot of people are feeling it. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. It's time to up-level in 2020. Speaking of up-leveling, let's talk about today's podcast guest. I am so excited to be chatting with Sarah Ann Stewart. She is such a beautiful soul and does such incredible work in the wellness space. Sarah is a certified holistic health practitioner and she runs a mindfulness-based private coaching practice in Los Angeles. She helps women across the world make sustainable lifestyle changes and heal their relationship with food and their bodies. She has a very heart-centered approach and she really incorporates mind, body, soul, and she's all about ditching the diet dogma and busting health myths and focusing on really just healing that relationship with food and that internal work, which is so important. She's also the founder of the Awesome Inside Out Movement and advisor to international wellness brands, and she's a soon-to-be Hay House author. Sarah has a really incredible health story. We talk a lot about her history in the modeling industry and her struggle with disordered eating and her journey to healing her relationship with her food and her body. And we also discuss her journey with breast implant illness. More and more women are finding out that that they're struggling with breast implant illness and that it's affecting them. And I think it's really amazing that women like Sarah are open to sharing their story and just This helps so many people when we share our stories, and we touch on that in this episode. So I'm really excited for you to hear this. Can't wait for you to let me know what you think about it and hear the feedback. She gives such incredible tips in this episode for just really nurturing your relationship with yourself overall and listening to what your body needs. And if you want more from Sarah, you can find her at sarahannstewart.com and also on Instagram at sarahannstewart. But for now, let's go ahead and hop into this chat with Sarah Ann Stewart. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have been so excited to chat with you. I love your work. I've been following you for a long time, um, and I'm really just honored to have you here. So thank you for being here. And for anyone who's not familiar with you, could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I am a holistic health practitioner and I specialize in helping women heal the relationship they have with most importantly, their body, because I think that so often we focus on the food first, but when we heal our relationship we have in our body, we naturally heal our relationship with food. So um, so the big component that I work on a lot with is self-love, self-worth, self-esteem, self-confidence, um, and just shifting out of the subconscious patterning and belief systems that have been ingrained from our childhood, from cultural norms, from society, to getting back to the present and, and falling in love with our bodies. And and that's my primary goal of my current practice. But we talk about a lot of things and, and I love to just debunk traditional beliefs and so forth on dieting and um, and all of the trends, right? The trends that we, yeah. we think are good for us. And so um, I love to talk about all all things health and wellness, though. Yes. Well, you're speaking my language and definitely much needed in this space. And I would love for you to share a little bit about how you got into this work. Like, take me mm -hmm. back to kind of the start of your journey and how you became interested in this. Yeah, so my interest in holistic health has been really since I was a, a child. My parents were teaching me about meditation and mindfulness and yoga, and we were doing breath work, and my dad was, he was a public speaker, so we were traveling around the country, going from city to city, teaching people, really. I mean, I was in the crowd, but my father was teaching people about meditation and and the things that were really woo-woo back then, like way back uh, over 30 years ago. Um, and so I grew up in this space, which which is so ironic to the fact that I eventually developed eating disorders because you would think with this really good head on my shoulders, with, teacher, with, with parents that were teaching me about the healing properties of food, even so much so that when my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer, he made a decision not to use Western medicine, but he made a decision, I'm going to go completely the different route. I'm trusting my body. I'm trusting my intuition. And I'm going to heal myself with food. And within seven months, the terminal cancer was completely gone. Um, and so I was witnessing this beautiful transformation in my father while I was scouted to model. And within a few days of signing a contract, I developed a series of eating disorders uh, that lasted over 10 years to the point where I was told, if you don't make a career change, if you don't get your shit together, you're going to die. And I remember in that moment, there was so much shame and pain and almost anger with myself that I had allowed this girl who grew up in a very different environment to take on all these beliefs of the fashion world and the people I was around and my agents and, and, and just all these beliefs that just weren't my own. Um, I believe that they stemmed from, from childhood experiences, but, but I still took them on. Right. And I, I allowed myself to fall, fall victim of, of social conditioning. And, um, and I remember being very angry and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I have to make a career change. I have to figure this out. And not only do I need to make a career change, I need to heal myself. And I thought healing myself looked like going back to nutrition school and getting more nutrition information because that's what worked for my father. And the more nutrition information I got, the worse I got. And traditional therapy didn't work for me. Traditional practices of uh, there's no such thing as good food versus bad food, um, just eat anything didn't work for me. The, the traditional model of healing and eating disorder didn't work for me. And I was very fortunate that I found a meditation teacher and a guru from India who the day I met said, 
you're going to have to really look inside. You're going to have to confront this. You're going to have to go to the depths of your soul. You're going to have to really take a look at yourself and recognize how you have been taught to suffer for all of these years and heal this. And it was the first time I had the courage to look within. And from that day forward, I started to heal and I started to reprogram all of these beliefs that I had taken on and had created a story that I wasn't worthy enough and I wasn't beautiful and I wasn't, um, uh, I, I didn't deserve self-love unless I had, I was a specific size, all, all these beliefs, right. That we take on as, as girls looking at social media. And, um, and that was, that was when I started to heal. When I started, when I started to meditate, when I started to be mindful, when I started to practice forgiveness, when I started to do affirmations, when I started to take on these different practices that I hadn't had the courage before to do. And, um, and then over several years of working with him and a lot of different other practices and coaches, I shifted my practice from teaching people about nutrition to teaching people about mindfulness and meditation and different mindset shifts that help them move through, uh, these beliefs that we take on. And here I am. (laughs) Wow. You have such an incredible story and I have so many questions. Well, first, um, so how is your father now? He's good. He lives with us. He lives with my husband and I um, in California. And um, 20 some years later, he's still cancer free and doing speaking still and, and starting his business in that again. So wow. um, it's pretty cool. To see. That's yeah. incredible. So what was it that worked for him? Like what, what did he start incorporating? Yeah. So he went on an all vegan diet. He looked at the different practices. So the Gerson, um, Gerson protocol, the Ann Wigmore protocol, Hippocrates, um, and he kind of just took them all on and blended them all together and really just went completely vegan. We hired a vegan chef to come in and we were doing wheatgrass shots and he was meditating and doing mindfulness practices. And I remember he had this big, dry erase board. And every day he would write a big affirmation and he would stare at it as he walked on the walker. Um, and he, what else did he do? He did, he did a lot of biofeedback. He ordered supplements from all across the country. He did shark cartilage, just a lot of different alternative practices that people recommend for, for cancer. And we can't say what was the one thing, right? I think it was an accumulation of all of them together that really, really did it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, well, from what you've said, he probably was already pretty healthy before. Like, like was his diet pretty healthy before already? Yeah, it was, it's interesting. So he grew up in a time where there wasn't a lot of, even though he was practicing a lot of the mindfulness techniques, there wasn't a lot of awareness around how fast food, and we were always on the go, right? How fast Mm. food and and I think a lot of chemicals were being added into the food system then where, yeah. you know, with my grandparents, we were always cooking from the farm and cooking things from the farmer's market and so forth. But um, as we started to travel, there was more access to fast food and so forth. So I would say he was fairly healthy, but he wasn't a clean, you know, clean eater, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who was was completely clean on their diet. He, he also was during the time of growing up where smoking was in and he had smoked for several years of his life growing up. Um, in his younger years. So I think there were, were definitely some things that triggered his genetics 
mm-hmm. to to get sick for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy to hear that he's doing so well now. That's such an incredible story. Um, and just a testament to how changing your, your lifestyle mm-hmm. can really be powerful. Um, mm-hmm. but, and I would, I would love to talk a little bit more about your time in the, in the modeling industry and like, yeah. um, w- the beginning of your eating disorders and how that, how that kind of developed. Yeah. So, um, so for me specifically, I was never like a girly girl. Like I, I was just, I guess you could say fortunate or unfortunate. I, I went to a local grocery store for a contest and I ended up winning, you know, this modeling thing that I was literally just walking by and entered. Um, and then I was in like this magazine in my hometown and then I won this other Miss Photogenic contest. And so there was interest in, there was interest from me because I was in the small town and thinking, oh my gosh, I want to get out, right? I want to see the world. And I always had this desire to see more and do more. And so when someone scouts you and says, you're going to be a star as a young girl, you're like in awe, right? You're just thinking, oh my gosh, I get to see the world and I have this good head on my shoulder, so I'm going to be okay. And the interesting thing was I had never really worn high heels or makeup and I had to go to makeup class and I had to start wearing high heels and I had to stop working out and playing sports. And these were things that I loved. I loved playing sports. I was very much more of a tomboy. And so it was, it was as if I was being molded into someone that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that in those moments where I signed the contract and they said, you have to stop playing sports and you know, you have to lose weight and so forth. I didn't go into it slender. I went into it more, you know, more muscular, more as a growing girl going through puberty, which is completely normal. Um, and for me, it was, I was being molded into something that I wasn't. And, and that translated as I'm not worthy of, you know, being, being on the cover of a magazine or being in a magazine. And so I molded myself and lost a lot of weight and, and wanted to prove that I was worthy of that. Um, I do feel like some of the desire for, um, for validation and for, you know, in the modeling industry, you go into it with, with an ego, of course, and you, and you have this desire to be seen. I definitely feel like that stemmed from childhood trauma and from some, some things that happened growing up and from my relationship with my mother and from, uh, being bullied at certain points of my life. And so I had that wounding going into it. And then the modeling industry just fueled it. And so I can't say that the modeling industry did it all. I can't say that I wouldn't have had an eating disorder if I didn't go into modeling. Um, But I can say that the minute that I wanted to be in a magazine, I had to transform into this other person. Um, And it continuously, you know, as I went down this road, it was never good enough. And so when I went to New York, I had to lose more weight and I had to look younger. and, And so it was all of these different aspects of myself that I was hiding my true beauty for an ideal of what a woman supposedly on a paper should look like, um, which just isn't the truth, right? It's really uh, boring that we all, you know, my biggest fear now is that we all want to look alike. I I say this to all my clients. It's like all of the same clothes sell out the fastest. Mm. And why are we doing that? Why, Why do we look at trends and say, that's what I want? What if you didn't know what the trend was? What if you didn't know what was cool and not cool and so forth. What would you just personally want to gravitate to? And so I always say my, my biggest fear is that we're all morphing into looking like each other instead of owning our own unique beauty 
and getting to radiate that to the world because that's, you know, that's what, what magazines and, and media should be representing. And I think it is transitioning to that. Yeah, that is a really interesting point. Um, so were the other girls that you were modeling with also, you know, did they also have eating disorders? Like, how did that first come into mm-hmm. your mind to restrict the food? Like, or was that just like kind of the obvious progression for you? Um, I, it's really sad. Like it's, it's super sad that agents actually tell you just to lose weight. And then you, you know, as a child, you're like, well, what, what, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And then you back then I'm I'm trying to even like, I'm trying to even wrap my head around like where the information would have come from in terms of, of, of weight loss. But I can say now it's like, how do I lose weight is like the most easy thing to Google. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think from seeing different signs and seeing magazines, I remember going in the grocery store and just seeing magazines of older women talking about how to lose weight. You pick them up and you read them and you say, okay, well you restrict calories and mm-hmm. then you, and, and these are the things that you do. Um, and now, now that I work with a lot of women that lose weight, it's like, I completely debunk that myth that, restricting calories is one of the worst things you can do. You actually want to fuel your body with the most amount of nutrients possible because then your body doesn't go into starvation mode and it reaches a healthy weight. And so all the things that I went to or or were directed to in terms of what's trendy is trustworthy. Now we look at and say, it's not trustworthy. You know, we have to dive even further into the research and further into the science and see that we actually should be nourishing our bodies from the inside out and giving it everything it needs so that it can reach the healthiest weight possible. Yeah. And so recovering from that, what was that like for you, like physically and emotionally? Because recovery can be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to share my recovery with, with so much sensitivity and compassion because wherever, if, if anyone is going through recovery or, um, has faced this or is facing this, everyone's recovery looks completely different. Um, I can't say that my recovery is the right answer for you. And I can't say that, you know, like I shared before, the traditional method of recovery didn't work for me specifically because I was being told and signed off by a doctor that I was physically better, Mm -hmm. which I was. I was getting physically better when I decided to leave the modeling industry. I packed up. I left. I went to um, I started backpacking. I like left everything. I shut off social media. I was like, I'm leaving my old way of life. And so the doctor signed off that I was physically better because I had gained weight but I wasn't emotionally better. Mm-hmm. Meaning that when I walked past a mirror, when I got my picture taken, I still had those anxiety attacks, right? And so I think we have to be very careful um, about about that. I think we have to be very careful when we judge other women based on their physical experience, their physical um, looks, because what's happening on the outside does not always reflect what's happening on the inside. And for me, it was a huge lesson in that I kept saying to the doctors, I'm not I'm not better, right? Like I, I'm not feeling better. I don't have the energy and vitality that I should have. And I knew luckily from my, from my father that oftentimes we don't even know how good we should feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that quote. And a lot of different doctors have, have shared that quote, but it's, it's like, we don't even know how good we're supposed to feel. So when I, when I was deemed better and my labs were coming back better, I was like, I know that I know that I can feel better than this. I know that there is a place inside of me that can get even healthier than this. And I'm not going to settle for doctors telling me that mm-hmm. I'm healthy. 
And I think anyone listening that has that intuition where they know inside of themselves, like your labs are coming back and they're all normal and your tests are coming back and they're all normal and your doctor's telling you it's in your head, um, but you're not feeling the best. It could be emotional. I always say it could be, you know, it could be suppressed emotion. It could be mental. It could, it could also be, I believe, spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of things from the spiritual side of finding your inspiration and your creativity and your joy and your play and your purpose and your liveness that go into our physical health that we have neglected uh, in culturally up until this point. Can you speak more to that about finding that spiritually? Yeah. So I, I just have this belief and this is my belief. Um, and if it fits for you, take it on and if not, that's okay. But I have this belief that if you have a desire to be alive truly deeply at the core of who you are, if you believe that there is a purpose for your aliveness on this planet, whether that's to be a mother, whether that's to own a business, whether that's to be a CEO, whether that's to, you know, take care of your parents, whatever it is, you're going to want to take care of your body. You're going to want to take care of your mind. You're going to want to take care of the person that you are because you're gifted this body that gets to live on this planet and do the things that you're here to do. And I just think when you connect to that and you connect to your why and the bigger purpose of who you are, there there will be less room for the destructiveness and for not viewing your body as this beautiful vessel. And I have found that when we focus on that first and foremost with my clients, that's when the the decisions around food become easy. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this good for my body or is this not? Is this serving me? Is this lighting me up and giving me vitality and energy to live on this planet? And when every decision comes from that place, we move into a place of self-love versus self-sabotage. And I think right now in all sensitivity to what's happening culturally, we're getting very confused between the two. Mm. And I mean that super, super, you know, I, I think what's happening with the body positivity movement, it's incredible. I thinking, I think what's happening with embracing all body tops is, is a beautiful experience, but I think we have to be very careful with the difference between self-love and self-sabotage. And when we make decisions from a place of aliveness, they come from self-love. They come from the place of loving yourself unconditionally. And that might be cake on your birthday and wine on a Friday. Totally might be, but, but I can say most of the decisions and most of the decisions I make now are from this deep rooted place of self-love where I say, I have so much to do left on this planet. I'm going to take care of my body. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because, well, I know for me, that was really what got me through like my recovery process and I had such bad body dysmorphia and people ask like, Mm -hmm. how did you handle that? And for me, it was like, like when I was recovering, it was really a spiritual experience for me. And like, it was, I always say that I'm like finding my purpose. And then after that, everything else, I didn't really care what I saw in the mirror. Um, like in a sense of like, that wasn't the most important thing. The most important thing was like, I was getting better and alive and well so that I could serve my purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. so I love that you touched on that because I think it really does help put things in perspective for, for people. Um, especially when they are, struggling with the the body dysmorphia side of recovery. Um, I would love for you to speak a little bit more about, you know, you were mentioning sometimes self-love and self-sabotage get get Mm. confused in this space. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you see that coming up? So I just have a a, a, lot. And again, I want to be super sensitive about this because I think there is a lot of beauty in, 
you know, just going out and, and I don't want to say, you know, like making choices like the wine on a Friday night or cake on your birthday. I think these things are very important, but I do find a lot of women come to me and they're like, well, Sarah, I love myself. So that means I'm going to drink diet soda and eat pizza for dinner and not move and not get off my couch and binge on Netflix. And I love Netflix and I binge on Netflix. But I think that we have to be careful to say, is that Mm self-love? Is that really self-love? Or is it that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make conscious decisions all day long from a place of discipline, from a place of willpower, from a place of knowing my aliveness and what I'm here to do, because I know that these decisions are going to sustain my health. And I just know from personal experience that when I'm not fully in alignment and making decisions from that place, I have brain fog, memory loss, you know, lack of lack of mental clarity, not able to focus throughout the day. I don't have the energy and, and, and that just that spark, right. Of life that I do when I eat high vibrational foods that are coming from the earth that are clean, that are not processed and containing chemicals. Um, and I think I, I don't feel like there's an argument to that. I just think that we now know that food is medicine. Um, it does have the opportunity to heal our bodies and give us the energy and the vitality that we need to sustain, to sustain a beautiful life. Um, and I think when we connect to that and connect to that truth where well-being is more than just food too, it's movement, mindfulness, meditation, um, cutting out as much stress as possible, sleeping, the, the fundamentals of health we look at with, with gratitude and we look at from a place of desire, the desire to do these things, not because they're a checklist or to do item that has to be done because we need to lose weight, but because there's a desire to stay alive. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about your nutrition philosophy mm. um, and like kind of how you got to the place you are now. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe in bioindividuality, which means that every person is different. I never, ever tell my clients that, you know, I never, they never come to me and I say, okay, this is your protocol. And I give everyone the same protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to co-create the protocol and I think we're always changing. You know, for me specifically, I have had many different phases of my life where when I lived in Miami, I was completely vegan. Um, when I moved to New York, I started eating clean meat again because of the stress and I just needed it for my body. Um, and I think we have to be very careful too, to not shame other women in their choices around food. I think that that's one of the biggest things I see that breaks my heart more than anything is that we're all trying to come together into these movements of self-love, but still shaming each other and what we're eating. Um, and we're fighting each other. It's like the paleo people are fighting the Atkins people and the Atkins people are fighting the vegan and the vegan are fighting the, you know, the raw foodists and, you know, and it's like, we're all fighting each other. And I'm like, what if we, instead of fighting one another, we all came together and we just said, does that protocol make you feel alive in your body? And if the answer is yes, we celebrate that person mm-hmm. and we're like, amazing. And and does that protocol, is it sustainable and it, and is it good for the planet? Those are my two things that are important. And And there are clean meats and there are things that you can do and we can make sustainable choices. Um, and I just think we should uplift each other especially if the person feels good on their protocol instead of bringing them down. And so that's kind of my belief in the short term. But how I got there is really listening to my body and being able to have the courage to 
shut off social media. I know it's really hard when it's like avocados are in and coconuts in and all of these things. And I remember when the coconut, the coconut trend came out, I was so upset because coconut made my skin break out. It just wasn't the best for me. I was like drinking coconut milk and coconut oil and like doing all the things. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know better than this. And yet you're mad at yourself that it doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. And it was just an easy fix. It was like, this doesn't work for me. I'm glad it's working for some other people, but totally not for me. And that's okay. Yeah. So what's working for you now? Yeah. So I am about like, well, it depends on if I'm traveling or not, but about 90% plant-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do eat uh, organic meat from time to time and fish. Um, but I am very conscious about where I get, get those items from and so forth. But, um, but yeah, mostly plant-based. I do a lot of smoothies. I do do the celery juice. Celery juice trend is something I, uh, I believe in for myself again, mm-hmm. for myself. Um, it definitely has made a difference for me. Um, and I love smoothies and I love, um, big salads and I, and I, and I do eat fruit and nuts. And I just try to incorporate as much as possible. Cause I think the other challenge we face is we get into, uh, the same schedule mm-hmm. and we'll eat the same thing all day long. And I think that that sometimes can be a challenge on our bodies when we're not getting nutrients from different sources. I, I agree. I think, I think with especially the popularization of elimination diets, people are kind of getting, too entrenched in eliminating, 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 and then their food list gets so small. And I think we need to be moving in the other direction. <laughs> um, like, you know, especially with like carnivore now or vegan and people are trying to like mix like AIP and gaps and vegan, like all these things on their list get so small and that ends up causing them issues in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really, really important that if you are having uh, significant issues and gut issues and so forth, that you see a functional medicine doctor, integrative doctor. I have, um, I've been working with one and I, I just believe in, I, I, I talk a lot about how the testing, like the new testing, right? Like the gut testing and heavy metal testing. For me specifically, it didn't, I didn't see my test results kept, kept coming back normal for a very long time when I was very sick. Um, and it was frustrating for me. And today doing those tests and working with a functional medicine doctor, I have learned so much. So wherever you are on the, with that relationship with testing and seeing doctors, I think it's important to just keep going back and getting the testing done. Cause, um, if they can see one thing where you can make one difference from a supplement or adding a food group or, um, integrating even, you know, things to help with cortisol and stress and so forth. It's, it's important. And we do have testing now that can, can accurately show these things. Yeah. And then the whole, like what you've been talking about before is the whole mindset approach. And that's a really important part of healing. And I want to circle back to the self-love conversation and you shared a little bit about what self-love really means to you, but I would love if you could share a little bit about how you help people find that place or maybe some actionable steps for people to take. Yeah. So this is, this is an interesting one. Um, cause I am, I am such a component of, and I believe so much in social media. I'm so thankful for social media cause it actually was a huge reason why I 
discovered that I had breast implant illness. Um, but I do feel like to connect to ourselves and tap our greatest place of intuition and our deep core place of self-love, we have to disconnect um, and we have to find ourselves again. And that could mean one day off of social media and going into nature and closing your eyes and connecting to yourself again. Um, it could mean taking a week off. It could mean taking a month off. But I do think we have to get back to who we are at the core and at the core we're love. Um, and in that place, we recognize that all of these things, all these external things that we're searching for, all the material things, which are okay to have, um, but they're not going to fulfill that void that we're seeking that comes from within. And so for me, meditation was the number one thing that brought me back to a place of self-love. And the reason I think that is because now we're seeing the science side of meditation and we're recognizing that we actually can change the structure of our brains. Uh, neuroplasticity is a very real thing. We can heal addiction through meditation we can come back to a place of compassion. Um, it helps us sleep better. It helps us come back to the present moment. And all these, all these things aren't directly related to self-love specifically. I just believe that as we continue to meditate and heal these different parts of our brain that, that you know, could have these addictive tendencies or um, not be as happy or have anxiety or so forth, we get to connect to the part of ourselves in between our thoughts. And that's the place of love. And, um, so meditation has been absolutely huge for me specifically. I, I, I credit it as the number one thing that has helped me heal. Um, because when we decrease loneliness and we're more hopeful, when we promote happiness, when we decrease our anxiety, all of these things, all these subconscious, right? Patterns that have mm -hmm. been projected upon us, we get back to the core of who we are mm -hmm. and that's love. And through meditation, we get to see, we get to disconnect from our thoughts and see that our thoughts aren't us. We get to see that they're stories from growing up, they're stories from other people, they're not our stories. And so whenever anyone says, well, I can't have self-love if I don't have this, I always say, whose story is that? <laughs> That's not your story. <laughs> Where did that come from? And if they can trace it back to that story, we can give that story back to that person and say, that was your story. That's not my story anymore. Such amazing insight from Sarah. I hope you are enjoying this as much as I am, but I want to take a brief break to tell you about today's podcast sponsor, Blue Blocks, Blue Light Blocking Glasses, and you know I'm wearing mine right now. These blue blockers have totally changed my life, and if you don't already wear blue blockers every day, this is such a simple thing to add into your daily routine that will make a huge difference on your overall health and productivity, and especially your sleep, which affects your overall health and your hormone regulation. So the benefits of wearing blue light blocking glasses includes better sleep, deeper sleep, less headaches, feeling calmer and more relaxed and less anxiety, better mood, you will feel more uplifted and just happier, more positive, balanced hormones, regulated hunger signaling, less eye strain, and reduced risk of macular degeneration. There are a lot of different blue light blocking glasses out there on the market, but blue blocks are the only blue light blocking glasses out there that are completely backed by the science and the latest research. Check out episode 230 with Andy Mant, the founder, to learn more about the science behind these. But a lot of the other orange glasses out there, these ones are red, these orange glasses out there on the market, they do not block the full 
blue and green spectrum that's necessary to get you the results you need. So the glasses I recommend are the Blue Blocks Sleep Plus Red Lenses. That's what I'm wearing right now. You put these on a few hours before bed. You put these on when the sun goes down and this will help to improve your sleep, reduce your anxiety, relax you, and trust me, it makes a huge difference on your sleep. And then at night, I also like to wear the Remedy Sleep Mask, which is a 100% light blocking sleep mask and has helped my sleep so much because no light gets through there. And then during the day, either the blue light clear lenses, which filters out the blue light during the day. It's best for people who work in more natural lighting or the summer glow yellow lens, which is a blue light blocking meets color therapy lens. So this is best for people who either struggle with seasonal depression and or work under intense artificial lighting. But Blue Blocks has so many different options. They have over 20 different frames to pick from, and you can also send in your own frames or get a custom-made prescription lens made for you. Whoever you are, you will love these. I get compliments on these glasses all the time, actually. So there are definitely frames for everyone. They don't look like the ugly Blue Blockers that some other companies have. Plus, for every pair bought, Blue Blocks will donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision to gift them to someone in need. So if you want to join the Blue Blocks Blue Light Blocking Glasses Club, which you definitely need to, I don't know why I was wasting so many years before with Blue Blockers that didn't even actually work, you definitely need to head to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, and use my discount code WELLNESS. W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness for 15% off. I promise this is one of the best investments you will ever make in one-time purchase. Get your glasses and you'll be good to go. All right, now that I've talked to you a little bit about my favorite blue light blocking glasses, let's go ahead and hop back into this conversation with Sarah Ann Stewart. Talking about like childhood programming and stories we have put in our heads, like, I mean, how do you, if you, if you can identify what the story is, like, how do you change that around? Like, how do you reprogram? Yeah, so I, um, I do recommend to my clients to do therapy work and to do hypnosis work. I think hypnosis was one of the things that has been absolutely huge for me. Um, but replacing that story with a new story. And again, recognizing that that story is not your story. I mean, I hear from women all the time. My mom always said I was going to be big boned. I was taller than the, than the boys at school. So I always just considered myself larger. You know, these stories that aren't true or accurate anymore. And yet they've been holding on to it their entire life. So I always say, what is the story you want to hold now? What is the story you want to create? And sometimes they don't know what that story is yet. And that's again, where meditation comes in. And that's the beauty of meditation is we get to connect to a new story. If I had no story, what would my story be? And, um, I think so often, we're pulling, we're looking at social media to find our truth. We're looking outside ourselves to find our truth. We're looking for someone else to validate our truth. I mean, how many times have we called like me specifically, I I, I will call my friend and say, Hey, I'm going on this new diet. What are your thoughts? Mm. Hey, I I'm thinking about wearing this dress. What are your thoughts? And the interesting thing is we can pick up cues from other people in their voice and their tone and their eyes and the way that they look. And that was even one of the things why I I didn't take anyone wedding dress shopping with me. Mm. Cause I was like, I know that I will sense their feelings and their thoughts and not that I don't want them, but I want my dress to feel good in my body. I want to feel beautiful because it's, it's my choice. And, 
a lot of my friends were like, what? This is crazy. What are you doing? But the interesting thing, I have another friend who works in meditation and she did the same thing. Um, cause it's just, it's just like, if you didn't have anyone else offering you the story, what would yours be? Mm-hmm. What would that be? What would that look like for you? And it's just so beautiful when you can say, my story would be that I am worthy of everything I desire and all the beauty in the world. And I am worthy of this healthy, happy body and life. And, and just like placing that in the space of this old story over and over and over again until it actually becomes your truth. Um, and I see it work. Like it, it's so profound. It's like when we, when we take away the nutrition and we step away from that and we really focus on the mindset, it's like everything shifts. Yeah. I mean, that's also a really beautiful way to teach someone intuition, right? If you Mm -hmm. really want to get in touch with intuition, stop asking for everyone else's opinion. Totally. (laughs) Just stop asking for advice. And that's what I tell people. I say, well, first, before you stop asking, pay attention to how many times in the next 24 hours you ask somebody for Mm -hmm. their advice or their opinion. Mm -hmm. And we do it so many times. I think people are scared. I think people are scared to trust themselves. Because if you trust yourself, then you have to be responsible. Mm-hmm. And being responsible means you have to have self like radical self-responsibility. And that's terrifying because everyone now sought and culturally and in our society blames everyone else for their own experience because mm-hmm. no one wants to take responsibility. So if I ask my coach and my coach tells me, oh, I think you should be eating this and this and this, and then I go do that and then it doesn't work. Guess who I get to blame? My coach. Mm-hmm. If I go ask my doctor, can I take this medicine? And I take the medicine and it doesn't work. I get to blame my doctor. If I go ask my mom, oh, what diet are you on? I'm going to try the same thing. Do you think it's going to work for me? And she says, yes, and it doesn't. I get to blame my mom. And no one's taking responsibility for their own health. And so when people sign up to work for me, I'm like, are you ready? Like, Mm -hmm. are you really ready to take radical responsibility for who you are, for your choices, for your decisions, and then for the outcome of them? And we can embody that. And we can step into that courageous space, then everything becomes a reflection of our truest self. And we get to learn and we get to play and we get to experiment. And then all the happiness that comes in our life is because we created it. And I just think that that just shifts everything. I know for me, it was like the moment I stopped blaming everyone else, my life changed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I I think a big reason why people shy away from the conversation around like self-love and positive thinking is they think it's this big woo-woo happy thing you have to be happy all the time and just like trust they're like it's not going to work out but the reality is is it's not all about just like saying happy things all day but it is about putting yourself in that situation where you do take responsibility and if something doesn't work out that's okay Mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's it's and i and i believe this i mean there are days where I wake up and I look in the mirror and I have to pull out every single thing in my toolbox that I teach my clients. And I think that in those moments, there's, there's almost like a shame that comes over me where I'm like, you're a health coach talking about body positivity and self-love and you don't have your shit together. How is this possible? And then I have to remind myself that I'm human. I have to remind myself that my body's changing. I have to remind myself that I'm going to age. I have to remind myself that I'm in consistent state of influx in all areas of my life and that, that nothing is the same at any moment of your life. 
and it's okay. And these thoughts aren't my thoughts and these feelings are my feelings and they're just passing. And I probably saw an ad yesterday that triggered something inside of me and it's okay. And, and I just, I think we, I think we desire to be perfect. Like the Instagram shows us that we should be, but then we think our, our thoughts need to match that. And it's just so, so inaccurate. And then it causes us shame and guilt. And then we go into a story that we're not good enough because we don't have pure thoughts. And it's like our thoughts are not always going to be positive. We have 50,000 thoughts a day. How is that possible? But when we can identify that thoughts aren't ours, but they just come and go. And I just see them moving through my mind and I release them and let them go. And we can detach from them and say, I'm not going to act from this place. I'm not going to allow my experience to become this thought. This is someone else's thought. I'm going to let this one go and I'm going to replace it with a more beautiful thought. That's when we empower ourselves. Yes, I love that. I think that also, you might be able to speak to this like with manifesting. What's your approach with manifesting? Mm. Yeah, so manifesting, again, it's, it's, I think, I think we've been taught on social media to believe that manifesting is think something and it appears. And sometimes it does because you're holding that vibration in your body and you think it's easy and you're detached from it. Um, but I also feel like the emotion behind the thought is just as important and, and actually more important. So how you're feeling in your body. And that's why I say, if you want to manifest things, you have to get out and you have to just feel into your body and feel love and joy and creativity and inspiration. And I was just talking about this with a girlfriend earlier today. We've manifested more in the place of not doing anything in complete detachment than we ever have in the momentum of trying to do things. Mm. So in the state of detachment where we're meditating and just feeling into the experience of what it would be to manifest that, the art of detachment is actually more powerful than going out and trying to change the world and manipulate things in order to have them. And it gets tricky. Like it's a, it's, it's definitely one of those things where you're like, it's like, it's like losing weight. You're like, how can sitting and not doing anything help me lose weight? But it's shifting and reprogramming and helping you create space so that when you get up, you make the right decisions mm. versus, versus um, trying, trying, trying and pushing and you know creating this sort of chaotic experience. And that's what we do when we try to lose weight. When we try to reach a healthy weight, we're like going on one diet and then questioning that diet and going on the next diet and then revamping our whole fridge and tearing apart our supplements and then redoing that. I've done this a million times. I know this so well. Or we could sit back and say, I'm going to meditate and I'm going to quiet my mind and I'm going to you know, regulate my nervous system. I'm going to detach from this experience and I'm going to just trust that my body reaches the healthiest weight possible for me to live the most life that I have. And then from that space, we make the right choices and it's easy and it flows and you still go out to dinner with your friends and you still get to go out at night and you still get to play and go to those birthdays and, and, and have holidays, which everyone thinks you have to cut out. It's like, it's like, you don't have to cut out anything. Why would you cut out things that bring you joy? Yeah. And I mean, it goes back to the vibrations behind it, right? If you're coming at it with, from like a feeling of desperation, it's probably and not going to flow. Yeah. And fear. Yeah. Um, versus like trust and love, it's a totally different vibration and it will happen. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of nearing the end and I really wanted to touch on 
your story with breast implant mm-hmm. illness because this is really important for people to know more about. Um, so I would love for you to share how did you find out you had it? Yes. So I got my implants in 2009 when I was in my 20s. Um, seven years later, I was in Tulum at a retreat and I started having heart palpitations and going into a complete anxiety attack in the middle of the night and not knowing what was happening. And I came back to LA and I thought, oh my gosh, I need to see a heart doctor, something seriously wrong. Cause I was feeling this pressure condensing on my chest. Um, over two years I developed a series of crazy, crazy, um, uh, symptoms that, that, continued and continued and like got worse. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm a holistic health coach. How is this happening? I'm so scared. I'm terrified. I have no idea what's happening. And I felt so much shame that I couldn't figure out why I was getting worse and sick. And yet I'm a holistic health practitioner, right? And I went from doctor to doctor that specialized in different things that I was suffering from. And then I saw, I don't remember the very first post I saw from another woman, woman with breast implant illness, but I remember seeing Hugh Hefner's wife diagnosed with breast implant illness. Um, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I have implants, but my, my conscious mind didn't want to believe that it could be my implant. So I continued to see doctor after doctor, um, denying the fact that it could be my implants. And I say this with so much compassion if you're going through this because I work in this space. Like I should be the first person to say, wow, if it's my implants, I'm going and getting them out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. And I suffered from letting my ego get in my way, letting my vanity get in my way, letting myself say my breast implants have become who I am. They're part of me. How can I let them go? And so I suffered and suffered at the point where I couldn't get out of bed. I had chronic fatigue. My husband was freaking out. He was worried. We we had no clue what was going on. And then finally I found a doctor after going through several detox protocols with her. She said, you can keep covering up your problem. I can keep giving you detox protocols. You can do the ozone treatments. You can get the IVs. You can spend all these thousands of dollars. And I say this from complete privilege because I was going through a lot of these detox programs, paying, paying tons and tons of money. And she kept saying, you can spend all this money or you can walk across the street and you can get your implants out. And at that moment, I was just like, like shock, right? Like, like shock. And although I had sensed it was my implants and I, and I had created a story that it wasn't, and I had asked multiple plastic surgeons and they said it wasn't deep within me. If, if you were to ask me today, I knew it was, but I was in denial. And I tell that story because I think so often we know the truth, mm-hmm. but we're denying it because we're scared. And for me, it took a lot of courage to say, I'm willing to get these out. I'm willing to go under the knife. I'm willing to have surgery again. I'm willing to shell out the money that's needed for these. Um, It took a lot. And finally, when that doctor said something, within two months, I had surgery. And within weeks, my symptoms started to go away. I, it's taken a year to get all the heavy metals out of my body. It's taken a year for, for me to be completely symptom free, but I'm almost there. And, um, you know, if you're listening, it's just, it's, it's that courageous step to say my health is important. It's worth it. Um, but it, it, it definitely brought up a lot in me and, and I had to pull out my toolkit. I had to look in the mirror and say, I love myself with or without my implants. I will love myself with or without my scars. I will love myself 
whatever I look or however I look after this, I'm still the same person and it's what's inside that matters. Um, and a lot of women have reached out to me since and, and the saddest part of all of it was, what does your husband think? I think that was the biggest thing for me. That was the most painful from the comments I got Mm. was just like, what does your husband think? And I, I was like, my husband loves me. And, um, and I started to question his relationship to them and how he would see me and so forth. And, um, I had to, I had to do a lot of work around that. Yeah. So, wow, what a story. And I really appreciate that you share that. I'm curious what some of the symptoms were that you were struggling Mm -hmm. with. So you mentioned the fatigue. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else really noticeable? Yeah. Crazy symptoms. So memory loss. I literally thought I was losing my mind. Like I, I couldn't remember just very, very simple things like people's names, mm. it, um, brain fog, chronic fatigue to the point where I would sleep in in the morning and then have to take a nap in the afternoon. Um, a lack of motivation, I think was the hardest. Like I had no motivation to run my business. I, at the, at the end I was just, I was questioning why I had a lack of, of motivation to create impact. Um, I would have to, if I wanted to go out at night, I would have to take a nap before I went out. Um, rashes. So during my wedding, I had rashes all over my body, acne all over my body, acne all over my face, things that just I've never had. Um, tingling in my arms, tingling in my hands, pain under my armpits, uh, joint pain, to the point where I thought I had arthritis. They were saying I might have fibromyalgia. They had no clue. They didn't know. But, but again, my tests were coming back normal. And um, when my doctor took my implants out, she did a pathology report that showed that although my implants weren't ruptured, they were breaking down in my body. And she could see, I guess, in the pathology report, there was foreign material around my tissue, meaning that my body was breaking them down. Um, and I had a P acne, uh, biofilm. And when you develop a biofilm, your body starts to, uh, suppress your immune system gets suppressed. And so there was a lot happening, um, that I knew, but I had gotten an MRI and I was like, they're not leaking, they're fine. And so I kept, you know, I kept delaying, delaying the bleed. I kept delaying the, the, the process instead of just having the courage to get them out. And then once I did, it's, it's been this beautiful experience of healing and emotional healing as well. I had to do a lot of forgiveness work around why I got them in, which was for my modeling career. Um, and that I had never really processed that. I had never really thought about that before. Yeah. So I think something that is really sad is like, I, I feel like this didn't really get talked much about until maybe like the last year or so. Um, and when people first started talking about it, everyone, and this goes back to like, like, women need to support women, and I was just seeing a lot of anger around it and people saying that women were making it up and lying, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, it just really frustrates me because I don't un, I don't understand how you can deny a woman's experience, and if she gets her implants removed and her health issues go away, why are we, like, getting upset with her for that? Yeah, so whenever I see comments like that, I have moved to a place of a lot of love and compassion because I understand that it's coming from their own wounding. Mm. So something within themselves is triggering them to not believe another woman. I think we're at a, a turning point where 
we're seeing that we're not crazy. You know, like I was so scared of telling my story. And I said, I said to myself, if one person, one person hears this and gets their implants out and gets better, it was worth all of the women who shamed me, told me I was crazy, told me I was stupid, told me I wasn't going to look good with my implants, told me my husband was going to leave me. Like I've heard it all. Mm. And, and I kept telling myself, if one person gets better, it's worth it. And what's crazy is I went on, um, Drew Pruitt, Mark Hyman's podcast Mm -hmm. and told my story. And since then it's been woman after woman after women all around the world. I canceled my implants. I'm getting them out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it took one platform that was big enough for me to see the impact. And it took thousands of women. We all standing together. We're all in this together saying we're not crazy. And that's why if you're suffering, if you're going through something, we, you have, we have to all tell our story, mm-hmm. even if it's not about implants, even if it's about something, you know, I, I just saw this post recently about children getting sick from Miralax and all these parents were told they were crazy and so forth. And now they're finding out that Miralax does make children sick, mm-hmm. but it took the courageous ones, the ones in the beginning to say something isn't right. Mm-hmm. And from that, all these pa- parents are coming together now. And that's what it's going to take. And I think we, I think what really needs to happen, and people ask me this a lot, they're like, why, you know, why are you okay with, with women making these comments on your post? Why don't you block them and so forth? And I, and I always say, I think we have to encourage all of us to do the inner work. Cause I see myself, I'll notice myself in moments getting triggered. And I'm like, what is in me that's getting triggered in this moment? And so if you're listening and you get triggered at any moment where you're like, oh, like what, and you want to make a comment that's not supportive and negative and so forth, look inside yourself because it's just mirroring something within you that needs to be healed. And if we all did the work and we all healed ourselves, we would be rallying to other women and supporting them and uplifting them and believing them and loving them and encouraging them and holding them in the highest light. So they're happiest, healthy and stuff, because that's what we want for ourselves as well. Yeah, I think that was beautifully put. And it does, it also reminds me a lot of kind of what was, what's happening in the Lyme community um, mm. with, you know, people saying like chronic Lyme isn't, mm-hmm. isn't real. And I think part of it also is that people tend to push away what they don't understand. And like you yep. were saying before, like a place of fear and especially, you know, if a doctor can't understand it, um, or even I see this a lot with gut issues, you know, like I remember being told I didn't like SIBO didn't exist when I had mm-hmm. SIBO because the GI that I saw hadn't hadn't learned about it. And it's just like we as humans often will like push away what we don't know. It doesn't fit in our box because we're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really an opportunity for growth and expansion. Yeah, I, I can tell you about the Lyme. I went to a treatment center for Lyme disease for a year. And I sat next to people with Lyme disease and I would never, I mean, I, I prayed for these, these patients. I mean, that, that disease is, it's, it's, it's wild and it's heartbreaking and it's so sad. And I think until you're that close, right? Like I never understood it either. Mm -hmm. Um, I believed in it, but I never knew the depth of how bad it was until I was there. And I went there for my own treatment of detoxification and I got to sit with them and I got to hear their stories and I was one, one on one and when you're that close and you can see them and you can see that they're human 
and they want the same thing that we all want is to be happy and healthy. It's like, there's a compassion and understanding for that. And I agree. I think, I think it's about, it's about, I think we put so much trust in that one person, that one doctor, that one blog post, instead of just doing the research for ourselves and, 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 and trusting in other people's experience, like symptoms don't lie, whether they're emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, it, they don't lie. Mm-hmm. And if someone's suffering, why would we deny them that truth instead of helping them? It, 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 for me, it makes, it makes no sense other than it's from, from their own place of wounding. And that's, and that's how I've moved through it for myself. Um, cause I've, I've heard everything. I, I mean, on my Instagram, I, I get it. I, I see it. And I, I'm just like, I'm sending you some love today. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story. And I'm sure a lot of other women listening to this are so appreciative as well. And I just want to ask you if there's a woman listening who, mm-hmm. who thinks this might be, you know, the root cause. Mm-hmm. And she, she feels like she wants to get rid of them, but she just, I don't know. She's nervous about what's going to happen after the process. Like, what do you want to say to her? Yeah. So I, if, you know, if, if you have that voice in your head, if you really truly believe, like if you connect to your highest self and your belief is these implants are making me sick, um, my truth, this is my own experience, was that nothing, no vanity, no ego, no looks, no bathing suit, no nothing is worth my health. Nothing, nothing. It, it, it's just not worth it. Our health is our best gift. It's it's the one thing we have, it's, it, and and it's something that we we get to some extent take control over. And I just offer the opportunity to heal whatever wounding is happening within you that's telling you you have to keep them for for something outside of yourself, right? Validation, worth, uh, love, the all of those things you can have right now with or without your implants. And I think when we can connect to the fact that those emotions can exist within us, regardless of how our bodies look, we realize the thing that we're searching for and seeking for, we can already have. Because often we're chasing the self-love, self-worth, self-esteem, self-confidence from external things um, versus the internal, which we already have. So that's, I mean, that's what I would say in the short. (laughs) I love it. Beautifully put. Thank you so much for sharing your story and all those words. And I'm sure people listening will want to connect with you further. So can you just share where they can find more from you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you have any questions about any of the things we talked about today or specifically breast implant illness, I will get back to you. My Instagram is at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, A-N-N-E, Stewart. S-T-E-W-A-R-T. And I, um, and you know, I don't have all the answers for BI. I I think we're all figuring it out together. I think that's, what's beautiful about this is that the more awareness we can bring to the matter, the more doctors are going to address it as a, as a, as a medical diagnosis, um, because it's still not medically diagnosed. And I think there are massive changes happening. I'm so happy to see like the FDA looking at this and, uh, different implants getting recalled, but it takes all of us having this conversation. So, um, yeah, I would love to connect and, and hear your stories and help any way that I can. Amazing. Thank you again, Sarah, so much. I really appreciate you coming on. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Huge thank you to Sarah for coming on the podcast and sharing her journey and all of her wisdom. You can find more from Sarah at sarahannstewart.com and on Instagram at sarahannstewart. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure you let her know. If you want to share this episode on social media, I would so appreciate it. And make sure you tag me, tag Sarah, and tag Wellness Wellness Podcast. And then I can say thank you. If you're not already in our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe, you should definitely join to connect with other listeners. And if you want to show your support for the show so that I know I should keep on putting out content, then make sure you leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It only takes a second, totally free for you, and it really helps other people find out about the podcast. That's going to be it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, and I'll chat with you again next time. Bye.